Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. Hello and welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Kate Harmon, Social Media Manager for Ignatius Press, and today I'm joined by Father Lawrence Liu. Father Liu is a Dominican friar who serves as prior of the Rosary Shrine at the Priory Church of Our Lady of the Rosary and St. Dominic in London. He is also the Dominican Order's Promoter General for the Holy Rosary, as well as Lector in Apologetics at Blackfriars Oxford. Father Liu is also a well-known photographer. He's known in particular for his photographs of work of sacred art and architecture, and his photographs have appeared in many print and online publications and have graced the covers of many books, including some that we've published here at Ignatius Press. Uh, Father Liu is the author of the new book, Mysteries Made Visible, Praying the Rosary with Sacred Art, which brings together his beautiful sacred art photography and original meditations on each of the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. Father Lou, welcome. Thank you very much. Lovely to be talking to you. Maybe we could start out first. You could tell us a little bit about your vocation as a Dominican, how you became a friar. Um, well, it, it was a rather convoluted process, I suppose, <laughs> but I'm actually a convert to the Catholic faith. Um, I was born into a pious uh, Protestant family, evangelical family, uh, which meant that uh, Jesus was always part of our lives. Um, and we love the Bible, of course, and love the Word of God. Um, when I decided uh, that really I wanted to find the fullness of truth and I found it in the Catholic Church, I uh, announced I was going to become a Catholic. Um, and I had to do a lot of apologetics very quickly, you know, explaining uh, the faith to my family who had many questions, um, some objections, um, and some concerns, particularly with regard to Marian devotion. Um, I'm a later convert to Marian devotion, you might say. I began by, you know, being a love with the Eucharist, a love for church and, and its history and tradition, uh, just being inserted into the wider family of the, of the Catholic Church and, and, you know, finding the church that Christ had founded was a great joy to me. And it was only later that um, the Marian dimensions of the church, if you like, and Our Lady's presence became more gently known to me. But... Beginning as an apologist um, in my teenage years um, meant that I was always looking to read the documents of the church, trying to find out what the church believed. And um, it was so much a part of who I was that even as a catechumen, uh, the catechists asked me to help some of the other catechumens who were from Protestant backgrounds, similar backgrounds, and who were struggling, um, including explaining to one person why Mary is called the mother of God. Uh, yes. You know, God was preparing me to be a Dominican because Dominicans uh, were founded to explain the gospel and to teach the truth, the fullness of the truth of the Catholic faith, and to, where necessary, correct errors. And uh, before we can do that, we have to first uh, obviously study, uh, know the truth ourselves and understand it, and also listen carefully to the questions that people have. So um, with my family, um, this was a good, a good training ground, I think becoming the, the kind of person that a Dominican is called to be, um, someone who listens to questions and tries to answer them and present truths of the faith in the best way possible so that they can hopefully appreciate it even if they don't necessarily uh, come around to embracing it. As it stands, I'm still the only Catholic in the family, um, but my family um, has come around in the sense that they're all very supportive. Um, I have uh, done 
uh, sort of online Q&A questions with up to like four or 500 people uh, from uh, evangelical churches back home in Kuala Lumpur, where um, I was born, mm -hmm. in Malaysia. And um, I've, also, um, I've also engaged in online debates with people about the faith and they try to explain the faith. So all that has helped me to prepare me for a Dominican vocation. Um, I joined the order um, in England where uh, Dominicans have been present uh, since 1221 uh, with a terrible little interruption, of course, uh, because of the so-called Protestant Reformation. Um, but we have a presence that's 801 years old and um, it's a great joy for me to, to have discovered the Dominican vocation and the Dominican order in a place like England. So what are your current responsibilities there? Well, I'm prior and parish priest, what you might call pastor of the Dominican Priory and the Dominican Parish in Northwest London. We're not very far from the center of London, just um, about 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes on the underground. Uh, that's the, the, uh, the metro system from Westminster Cathedral. Um, so we're not far from the center of London. And uh, we have a very big church there, which is dedicated to Our Lady of the Rosary. Um, it's a unique church when it was completed in 1883. Um, it had one chapel with a beautiful altarpiece for every single mystery of the rosary. Mm. So in total, the church now has 20 altars um, and 20 altars and 17 side chapels and a beautiful garden dedicated to the mysteries of light of the rosary, um, which St. John Paul II has suggested um, that we add to the rosary as an option. So we have that outside in the garden behind the Lady Chapel. Um, so my responsibility is to look after the Dominican community as prior, as pastor to look after all those who come to our parish and who are parishioners, all their sacramental needs, of course, as usual, and, uh, and also to be rector of the Rosary Shrine, uh, which is that beautiful church there, erected formally as a shrine of Our Lady of the Rosary. And uh, lastly, uh, I'm mm -hmm. the responsibility in 2019 of um, promoting the rosary throughout the world for the Dominican order and primarily first within the Dominican order, but also then working with groups throughout the world with laity um, who love the rosary and want to promote the rosary as well. In particular, uh, I promote the confraternity of the Holy Rosary. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yes, the confraternity, uh, like all confraternities, are a spiritual network basically. I kind of think of it as, um, you know, in social media, we, we have uh, sort of virtual networks, um, mm -hmm. social media networks and so on. So the Rosary Confraternity is a network of all the people who have enrolled and who pray the Rosary. Um, the obligation is only one obligation, which is to pray 15 decades of the Rosary every day. Mm -hmm. And there is uh, explicitly no other obligation. Right. So uh, Pope Leo XIII uh, makes it very clear that there must be no other obligations. So no subscriptions, um, no annual meetings or meetings of any kind, uh, no in-person meetings. Um, but rather, we are just a network of people who pray the rosary wherever we may be. And this unites us to the Dominican order. So members of the Rosary Confraternity are affiliated to the order. We've had some very great saints and martyrs 
who are members of the Rosary Confraternity, including the saint after whom I'm named. My, my name in religion, Lawrence, actually comes from San Lorenzo Ruiz, Lawrence Ruiz of Manila, proto-martyr of the Philippines, uh, and he was a member of the Rosary Confraternity. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I chose that name, uh, and it was given to me um, well before I knew much about the Rosary Confraternity. So it's all very providential. That's and, amazing. And the confraternity, uh, you know, to join the confraternity, people often ask me this question, how can they join? Um, well, I encourage people to find the confraternity in your local Dominican province. So, you know, all the provinces in the USA uh, have a rosary promoter who should be able to direct you to the rosary center where you can join the confraternity. Or you can go to a Dominican church and the pastor there can enroll you. Or um, indeed, even some of the Dominican uh, nuns that sound close to nuns, the monasteries, uh, are also authorized to enroll you. Um, once you're enrolled, um, and, and in fact, you're enrolled the moment you manifest your intention, even before the pastor or the priest writes your name in the book. If you forget to write your name, it doesn't matter. You're enrolled already from the moment you tell him and you manifest your intention. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And one of the benefits of, of um, the Rosary Confraternity is that you then draw the, the graces and the merits uh, that come through the Dominican order from our great Dominican saints. You share in that treasury of merit, mm. okay? And um, you share in that and, and, and you pray the rosary for the intentions of the confraternity. And you know then that there are people throughout the world who are also in the confraternity who are praying for your intentions, who are praying for your spiritual needs. Because of course, what we need most of all from God are those virtues and graces that we might grow in conformity with Christ, that we might grow closer to Christ and be like him in charity. So I see the Rosary Confraternity as a, as a way for helping one another to grow in charity. And it's a beautiful gift that was given to the, the world um, by, by uh, the order um, and is entrusted to the order by Leo XIII. So my job as Rosary, uh, as Rosary Promoter for the order is to try and help encourage the growth of the Rosary Confraternity. Very good. And there are details about that in the book, Mysteries Made Visible. You talk about the Confraternity yes. in there as well. So people can, can look at that there too. Um, when did you first become interested in photography? Um, really as a novice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, like most people, I, I've, I've taken photographs of this on holidays and stuff like that. I think in 2000, I went to Rome for World Youth Day. And um, I'd taken uh, many rolls of film with me to photograph Rome for the first time, my first trip to Rome. And I was very disappointed with the results. And um, I noticed that my bishop at the time, the Bishop of Leeds, as he was, um, he had a digital camera. And that was a very new thing. And I was fascinated by it because, you know, you can take the photograph and you can see it immediately on the screen. And I thought, well, if I had one of those, I wouldn't end up with, you know, hundreds of spoiled photographs and badly taken photographs. And so I asked my father if he would buy me a digital camera, which he did. And that sort of began an interest in taking more photographs of places and people that I met. And um, when I joined the order, uh, several years after that, um, I joined in 2005, I thought that this was a good time to, before I joined, um, to get a better camera, and I thought this would be a rather affordable hobby 
to mm-hmm. have because it meant I had to get out of the priory and, and you know look at beautiful things. I knew that in Cambridge, which is where our innovation house was, um, there were many beautiful chapels that I could photograph. I was very interested in photographing stained glass in particular. Okay. And my intention then was to capture beautiful images of stained glass windows, which would have the stories of the saints, of the depictions of the saints of our Lord, of Our Lady, and of the various parables um, and Old Testament scenes. And the reason I wanted these stained glass images uh, is because I, I had this idea that I could uh, make PowerPoint presentations out of them. Uh, and, and, and so when I teach children and mm-hmm. tell Bible stories or stories of lives of the saints, I could point to these beautiful, colorful images. So that was my intention. Um, okay. It's never really come to fruition uh, because I've not really um, had the opportunity or that, that as much time to put together PowerPoint presentations. Um, but very happily, uh, a number of years ago, the Nashville Dominican Sisters actually put together a beautiful book published by uh, St. Benedict Press called A Short Guide to Praying as a Family. And in it, they talked about praying as family, they included many prayers, and they illustrated mm-hmm. this book with, I think, something like 180, almost 200 photographs, stained glass uh, uh, images that I'd taken. And so um, we have feedback from, from families and from children of how much they love looking at these photos. Mm-hmm. And I'm very pleased that uh, somebody, anyway, was able to use them to help with the catechesis and helping children to pray. Mm-hmm. So that was my original intention. And that's what started me taking photographs and noticing things in churches. I've been helped along the way by, by many wonderful people, um, friends of mine who are mainly Anglican, to be honest, and they've taken me to see some of the most beautiful medieval churches in Oxfordshire. And um, this was around Blackfriars, Oxford, where I was a student studying theology. And um, they helped me to improve my photography skills, to take me off the auto setting and start to mm-hmm used a manual setting, uh, which seemed very intimidating at the time. Um, and so that just piqued my interest and it grew from there. Um, and I started putting the photographs up on Flickr. Um, initially because on Flickr we had a lovely community of photographers and we could meet other photographers in our local areas through Flickr. Um, but that soon uh, caught the attention, I suppose, of uh, people who were producing CD covers or book covers, newspapers. And, and I realized this could be quite an effective way of preaching. Yeah. Yes, I worked for Catholic World Report and Homiletic and Pastoral Review for a number of years. And I think I came across your Flickr. We were looking for you know, artwork that we could use on magazine covers or to illustrate articles. And I mean, you just had a treasure trove. It, it, that's how it felt to find your Flickr was like all of this amazing art from all over the world, um, really beautifully captured um, in your yeah. photographs. Yes, I'm, I'm very pleased about that and, and to hear that from you. Um, and in, in our book, um, Mysteries Made Visible, you know, uh, my editor and I worked together on this and I deliberately chose um, photographs of sacred art that you can find in churches mm-hmm. because I want people to open their eyes to see the beauty that is present in many churches. I know that not all churches uh, have a, a wealth of sacred art, but many do, and, and I wanted to open people's eyes to see that beauty, firstly. Um, I wanted to show then a range of art um, using different media, whether it's mosaics, stained glass, mm-hmm. and paint, and, and sculpture as well. And also 
I wanted it to span a, a range of historical time. So you've got, you know, mosaics from the first millennium, and then you've got more modern art as well. Because I want to show that sort of um, artists over the ages have been serving the church uh, in, in bringing beauty to our churches. And the beauty that is in our churches uh, is to help us to contemplate the mysteries of salvation, to contemplate uh, the saints uh, who are really living icons of God's uh, grace and what he can do, how he beautifies us on earth. So, yeah, that's, that's very much what I wanted to do. And in fact, when I chose the photographs for this book, I, I did a short list of maybe two or three photos for each mystery of the rosary. Okay. And then I sent the whole set to um, a rosary prayer group that's based in, in North America and Canada mainly, called Marin Devotional Movement. They are referenced and mentioned in the book, and I thank them for their help, because they prayed over these images and with them, and they chose the final set that appear in the book. So they're very much the fruit of prayer. That's beautiful. So there was a kind of a collaborative yes. quality to that. Very good. Thought, yeah. These are the people who will be interested in praying with a book like this. Mm -hmm. They'll be using these images to help them pray the rosary. So I wanted a, you know, a real-life praying group to choose yeah. the images rather than for me to be choosing them. I did shortlist them because it was you know, too many images for people to go online to pick up. <laughs> so I had to do a shortlist. Um, mm -hmm. And I have to say, they didn't always choose the image that I prefer. Interesting. So I like medieval images. Mm -hmm. And 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 I think uh, perhaps in, in the US, you don't see as many I images of medieval art. So mm -hmm. sometimes the, the medieval image seems a little bit different, a bit naive, perhaps even, mm -hmm. um, and maybe not as pious. Um, and so they veered towards more uh, pious, more classical images that we are used to. Um, and I forced myself to adhere to, with, to that, <laughs> to, to accept that in a sort of spirit of mortification. Because um, rather than choose what I preferred, I wanted it to be imposed upon me so that I had to think theologically about these images. So each of my reflections that accompanies an image is drawn from, is inspired from the image, and I, I sort of, something in that image um, fuels my reflection. There's a lot of scripture in the book, as you will have seen, mm -hmm. um, and those come to me in prayer. But I first look at the image and I think about it and reflect about it. And um, this is what I call visio divina. Just as with mm -hmm. divina, you're reading the sacred text and you're reflecting then on, on the meaning of scripture. Here I'm reflecting on the sacred art and then reflecting on, on what it says theologically about the mystery. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope that people will engage with the art as well as with the, the words, with the text and reflections. And I hope that it will help them to uh, deepen their love for the mysteries of salvation. Very good. Yes, so the book, I'll, I'll kind of describe it a little bit. Um, listeners and viewers can find the link in the description of this episode. And if you go to the product page at ignatius.com, we'll have a flip book there so you can actually take a peek inside and see some of the sample pages. Um, but basically what you have is you have um, a bit of scripture, as you said, for each of the mysteries, and then a brief meditation, 
and then a photograph of the work of art. And I thought that that was interesting that it wasn't, it wasn't just that you had sort of a meditation on the mystery that you then coupled with a photograph. It really, the meditations come from your reflections on the artwork and the scripture together. Um, that it, it wasn't kind of a cut and paste deal. It really does work as kind of an organic whole meditating upon the art and then and the scripture verse as well. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. And um, it also interesting f- uh, feature of the book is that it also has kind of a guide to how to say the rosary. If you've never done it before, or if maybe you just need a little refresher, um, you know, with, with sort of laying out how you go about it, sort of the frame of mind that you, you should try to enter into as you say the rosary. And then it also has the text of other Marian devotions and prayers um, in the back as well. Um, why did you choose to include sort of the how-to guide part of it? Could we assume that people who are coming to this book are already familiar with the rosary, or did you maybe have something else in mind? I must confess it was my my editor who suggested okay. it. Um, partly we needed, <laughs> we needed to pad out the book a little bit more. I suppose. <laughs> But in fact, a few people have come up to me and thanked me for that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a little illustration, a little graphic of the rosary and how to make the rosary. Um, and surprisingly, a lot of people buy the book and they don't regularly pray the rosary mm-hmm. or they've not prayed the rosary before even. Um, but because it's being sold at the Rosary Shrine in London, um, because they like the images, uh, they bought the book and mm-hmm. then they thanked me because that there is actually a little bit about how to pray the rosary. Um, so, um, you know, as uh, the various people who reviewed the books have said, um, you know, this should help people uh, and incentivize them to pray the rosary. Mm-hmm. I, I very much hope so. It's a very gentle introduction, I think, to praying the rosary. Yes. Um, and as for the additional Marian prayers, um, some people might be interested to, to know that we have included the Litany of Our Lady, in the Dominican tradition. And it's much longer than Litany of Loretto. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes to sing. Uh, okay. And there are almost a hundred different uh, titles given to Our Lady. And some of them are really very beautiful indeed and very interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, we love it in our Dominican tradition. And I thought, well, let's share this with others. You mm-hmm. see, when the book was put together and published in tw- um, 2021, uh, the English Dominican province was in England was celebrating then the 800th anniversary of our presence in England. And that's why it was a very Dominican book with uh, Dominican prayers and so on. And I give a little historical introduction to each of the Marian prayers that we say. And even texts like the Ave Regina Celorum, uh, there's a particular Dominican version, uh, which is ever so slightly different from the one that we've become accustomed to. So um, it was a celebratory text uh, for our 800th anniversary. It was also the 450th anniversary in 12, um, in 2021 of the Battle of Lepanto. You know, that took place on the 7th of October in 1571. So 450 years later, um, I wanted to write this book and have it published in that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been in print uh, in the UK uh, for, for a year now, and uh, we're very pleased that uh, Ignatius Press has decided to republish it here for the US and, and North American market. And mm-hmm. I'm very grateful indeed, because you know, Ignatius Press and its, its wonderful catalog of books really helped form me in the Catholic faith. As a convert to Catholicism, I needed uh, books which were sound, which were intellectually engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked to Ignatius Press 
Um, I think I discovered Ignatius through interviews then with Joseph Ratzinger. That's when he called the Ratzinger Report, uh, one of the early books. And, and I really uh, loved um, what I read there and I decided to buy more and more from Ignatius. Um, I was also a keen reader of von Balthasar. And I think my interest in art and beauty uh, and, the, and, and beauty in theology uh, came from reading Balthasar, which was you know, a major part of the Ignatius uh, stable, as it were, in those days. Um, so I'm so happy to, to be able to collaborate with Ignatius in this way. Well, we're happy too, because again, I've, I've been familiar with your work for a number of years. And when I had heard that the Catholic Truth Society was publishing this in the UK, I was very eager, very hopeful that we would be able to, to bring it on at Ignatius Press. Um, can you tell us, you, you referenced a little bit um, sort of the, the history of the Dominicans and the Rosary. Um, you know, people might be kind of aware that the church down the road that's called Holy Rosary is a Dominican parish, you know, what, what, is the, what is the history between the Dominicans and the Rosary devotion? Well, the tradition um, that is maintained by the order and maintained by many popes and, and I think very zealously defended by uh, someone like Father Donald Calloway uh, is that the Holy Rosary was revealed to St. Dominic, our founder, and uh, certainly St. Louis-Marie de Montfort in his book, Secret of, Secrets of the Rosary, explains how that came about. This miraculous um, vision that St. Dominic had of Our Lady, where she reveals to him what she called her Psalter. Her Psalter because uh, there's 150 Hail Marys, uh, which reflect the 150 Psalms of the Psalter in the Bible. And um, it's called the Angelic Psalter sometimes because of the angelic salutation, um, that's the angel's greeting to Our Lady. So, um, however it happened, and, and you know, there is some controversy about how it happened. Um, there is certainly some silence, documentary silence. Uh, Dominic never, well, actually St. Dominic never writes anything down, or, but he doesn't mention the rosary. Um, and so some people say, oh, well, it didn't happen. Um, but there are good reasons, I think, to, to hold to the tradition. I think that we should always look to our tradition. Um, and the rosary, I would say, was in some form given to St. Dominic. And that the idea of meditating on aspects of salvation history and of the, or the way of salvation, uh, whilst praying the Hail Marys and praying them in groups of 10, I think that goes back a long way to the Dominican order and to St. Dominic. Certainly we know for a fact that this particular way of praying the rosary with what we call joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries, that this uh, was entrusted to the Dominican order and we were the preachers of this way of praying the rosary for centuries. Certainly uh, when the Panto came round, it was St. Pius V, a Dominican Pope, who asked the Confraternity of the Holy Rosary to pray the Rosary for victory at Lepanto. Mm. And it was this event, I think, that really crystallized um, the Rosary and made it really popular throughout the church. Mm. Uh, because then he encouraged Christians throughout the world to pray the Rosary, and particularly the Dominican Rosary with the joyful, sorrowful, glorious mysteries. Mm. So most people don't realize that the Rosary that they've loved and prayed uh, mm. came from the order. And mm. I think that partly because um, the rosary has been so very successful. It's, it's become so much a part of being Catholic 
that we, we can't, you know, we can't believe that it ever belonged to just one order. <laughs> you know? And um, that, I think that's a very good thing. The Dominican order exists to preach the gospel and to serve the church. And so we don't exist to draw attention to ourselves and to our works, but rather mm -hmm. to draw attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be of service to Mary, who is our mother. So that's mm -hmm. a wonderful thing indeed. And um, the Dominican rosary, um, I think, is so successful because Our Lady herself has promoted it, right? She's mm -hmm. uh, at Fatima and, and at Lourdes. She said to pray the rosary. She taught uh, mm -hmm. that children how to pray the rosary. She prayed it with Bernadette. Um, and so Our Lady is the most wonderful promoter of the rosary. And I, as general promoter, um, I'm just nothing, really, <laughs> compared to Our Blessed Mother. Um, you know, I, I do what little I can. Uh, but Our Lady herself has asked us, please, please pray the rosary every day for peace and for an end to the war. Those were her words in October 1917. And um, if I ask people to pray the rosary every day, I'm, you know, you don't do it because I'm saying it, but because Our Lady, who is our mother, has asked us. And mothers always know best, I think. <laughs> Well, I'm a mother myself, so I can't uh, can't object to that. But uh, I, and as you say, the rosary is very identified, I think, with the Catholic faith. Um, you know, rosary beads are maybe second only to a crucifix in terms of a symbol that might come to mind if you yeah. think about Catholicism or the Catholic faith. Um, yet it's something that a lot of Catholics, I think, struggle with, or maybe you know they they maybe prayed the rosary as a child, but then as they grew older, they found it hard to maintain the habit. Um, what are some common difficulties that you, you, you're aware of that people encounter when they're trying to say the rosary or trying to make it a regular part of their prayer life? Well, the mind wanders, right? Um, you know, I, I can't talk about other people. I just talk about myself. Mm -hmm. and, and I get distracted when I pray the rosary. Or, yes, sometimes it becomes a little bit rote and they're not really paying attention at all. Um, and... When I began with the rosary, I mean, remember, I'm a convert, so all this is new to me, too. Uh, at one point, it was all very new, and I found it very off-putting because I thought, well, there's so many things to think about. I've got to remember the Hail Mary and the words of the prayers. I have to remember the mystery and sort of somehow think about it. And then sometimes there are intentions attached to that, and I think like, well, I have to think about the intentions as well, you know, whether it's for world peace or much more mundane things like, you know, good grades in my exams or something. You know, and then I had to move the beads and count the beads and all that. So it all seemed absolutely overwhelming. And the temptation is great to give up. However, I would say that um, I, I first learned to just trust in Our Lady's wishes. She wants us to pray the rosary. And Sister Lucia, who saw her at Fatima, said, you know, the rosary can be said by anybody young or old, rich or poor, a child or educated and great theologians and illiterate people. It doesn't really matter. Anybody can say the rosary. And she believes that's why Our Lady asked us to pray the rosary. So I thought, okay, let's just start by praying. Let's start by doing it. And soon the Hail Marys, um, you know, they become like a background sort of thing. It's the mantra, I guess, that helps us to focus the mind a little bit. And if the mind wanders... I try and look at art, and that's why I, I produce this book. Because for me, praying with art helps me to concentrate. It focuses the mind. 
Um, nothing is quite as magnificent as seeing um, the rosary altars in the Rosary Shrine in London, because you have their um, sculpture, uh, a sculpted stone sculpted tableau for every mystery of the rosary. And I find that um, I interact with three-dimensional sculpture in a different way from a flat image like a mosaic or a stained glass window or a painting. And I found that that really enhances my prayer. Nevertheless, um, which is why I've included some of these um, images from the Rosary Shrine in the book. But nevertheless, I, I, I grant that we can't always uh, have sculpture in front of us and we can only look at books. But I hope that in some way that helps us to focus the mind nevertheless. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas reminds us that when we pray, we will be distracted because of our human nature. We are bodily creatures. But he assures us, he reassures us, that uh, we need not worry if we begin our prayer with the intention of loving God and growing in love for him. And that intention, he says, will carry us through, even if we're distracted. But of course, he says, when you, once you're aware of your distraction, we'll try and come back to the prayer, which is why I think the sacred art actually helps. Um, so many people are put off, as I say, please don't be put off and do give it a go. And my last bit of advice, you'll find all these tips uh, in the book, but my last bit of advice, which I think will help people because it certainly helps me and, and people have told me it's helpful. They've never thought about this, but you can pray just one decade at a time. Right? We, we tend to think that we have to pray uh, all the decades, five decades or even 15 decades in one sitting. And it was really uh, Pope Benedict XVI in one of his interviews, um, he helped me on this. He said that he finds it too intense to say five decades altogether. Mm. So he says he would say a few decades here, a few decades there throughout the day. And when I read that, I thought, gosh, well, if the Pope can do that, maybe you know, so can I. Um, and then, of course, I, I read um, St. Louis-Marie de Montfort, and he says that he would like people, who, you know, he says busy people should be able to manage at least a third of the rosary. A third means uh, five decades. Okay? And then he said, but for those who are really busy and, and distracted, they should try to pray one decade at a time. So even he advocated, you know, that we could actually just pray one decade at a time. And and then, of course, I realized that the Rosary Confraternity was special because it allowed members of the confraternity to pray the Rosary, to break it up into one decade at a time. And at the time when Leo XIII was writing about all this, I think it was quite unusual to do that. And people thought they had to go together in a group and pray all five decades at one go, which is still the common experience that we have from our childhood or from our parishes. Mm -hmm. And yet the Rosary Confraternity was special because you were allowed to pray the Rosary wherever you were, on your own, one decade at a time. Mm. And so I think now is the moment for the Confraternity to be rediscovered again and, and for people to draw forth the benefits from being a member of the Dominican Order in this way. Well, Father Lou, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Again, the title of the book is Mysteries Made Visible, Praying with excuse me, praying the rosary with sacred art. And that is available at ignatius.com or your local Catholic bookstore. Thank you again, Father Lou, for joining us. Thank you very much. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. 
You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at Ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.